0: Today on the Homes Real Estate Podcast, we are talking about historic homes and what to look for. Stay tuned. What's going on, everybody? Peter Touring here. And Chris Van Bell. And we're, again, realtors with Cobble Banker here in Macomb, Michigan. And being that we have a very diverse uh, area as far as buildings, we have uh, the gross points with houses built in the 1920s and 30s, uh, we have uh, you know, Royal Oak with bungalows built in the 40s and 50s, Sinclair Shores with, you know, brick ranches built in the, you know, 50s, 60s, and a lot of rural properties that were built, you know, pre-1920, but, you know, between 1800 and 1920. So we have all different types of, of properties here, but what we want to talk to is what to look for when we're looking at these historic properties. We're talking, let's say, 1975 and early.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's follow the video just a touch here because I I'd like to start with the basements. That's like a huge thing to look at, and there's so many different com- components to look for. Of course, we want a dry one, but I I've seen fieldstone, I've seen brick, I I've seen I've seen wood.
0: Mm-hmm. Although actually wood has actually become popular recently yeah. too.
1: Yeah, especially in the uh, rural homes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it seems to be working super, super you, well.
0: You might also see now you might see what they call uh, ICF or it's like a formed concrete with styrofoam. Yep. Uh, but in a historic home, those, I would say those are the ones you're going to run into would be poured in, let's say, 50 or newer yep. block and then Uh, also the the fieldstone basement they all have their their strengths and and weaknesses i guess fieldstone they look pretty cool but they tend to be damp i have i don't think i've seen a fieldstone basement that's totally dry neither vast majority areas here um black ones
1: man those those have they can be good or bad Mm -hmm. um but i i see most of the problems with the block basement just what i've seen you know um the bowing walls, the cracks, the uh,
0: fluorescence, water pe- seeping through—absolutely yeah,
1: bad, bad, bad. I'd rather have stone than that. Obviously.
0: So, yeah, and that's a lot of that too is going to depend on where you live. Um, but part of this is knowing a certain expectation. If you want to have a finished basement, you're going to most likely want to have a poured basement or you know a, a block that's been waterproofed. Uh, but if you're saying, hey, listen, I know that this is going to be just a storage area for me. If it's a little bit damp, that's okay. So that you got to know your expectations. Again, like Chris mentioned, bowing walls are a big issue as well. Absolutely. Um, the other thing too that we want to uh, just a quick disclaimer: neither Chris Ryer licensed builders, contractors, anything like that. So these are just our opinions from our own experiences.
1: And of course, not the opinion of Goldilake
0: or Manuel either. Right. Um, also, again, we want to be looking for settling cracks, things like that too. Like we always are in basements. The next thing too is plumbing. Let's talk that. Oh, there's a
1: lot of things with plumbing. If we if we get into the old black pipe. Uh, We see that. It's kind of common. It's not a big deal, as some inspectors make it out to be. The
0: big deal with the older pipes, especially, you know, like a galvanized pipe, is they are more prone to bursting or to to corrosion. So the, the big thing there is, you know, where is it? Is it on an exterior wall? Is it on an interior wall? Is it something that... You know, this property is going to be shut down or at any point, do you keep your house real warm? So some of those external factors are going to affect how big of a deal having galvanized or older plumbing is.
1: Yeah, and those are, are really commonly known for the, like you said, corrosion on the inside of the pipe or restricts your flow and then you end up having to replace them. Now the good news is you can replace it with pecs and mm-hmm. it's, it's easy and most DIY people can actually handle putting in the pecs by themselves.
0: Yeah, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be having to sweat copper. The other thing as far as plumbing is uh, we see a lot of the cast iron main lines. That I'm not as worried about. No. You know? uh, we see that all the time in the shores. I, it's not something that I make a big deal about. But what you will want to look at is if you have a clay, cl- clay crock sewer line. You want to yes. make sure that, get that snake to make sure that there's no root incursion, any, you know, spots that are bellying out and causing well, the backup.
1: You got some places where you're going to have a little bit of those feather roots in there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's common, and you just clean it out every so often, and you're good. You just, like you said, no bellying, uh, no breakage for sure. You don't yep. want to find any dips in there. Where right, yeah, 4000 bucks
0: in, Yeah, no good.
1: So, and some communities offer insurance for that, too, which is kind of great.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but that's another inspection we're always, always going to recommend as a sewer, especially in, like, the shores or, or, like, even the Birmingham places with older trees.
0: Yep, absolutely. And the growth points for sure, oh, too. Point. The points. So the next thing we want to look at is electric. The biggest thing is what's the wire setup? You know, do you have the old knob and tube?
1: Yeah, and, and there's a lot of times, especially if you have a great inspector, they're going to say – Leave it the heck alone. The stuff has worked longer than most of us have been alive. Mm-hmm. And we just I just sold a house on the shore that's got great, I mean, great knob and tube. It's got some of the newer Romex mixed in where they've updated. Mm-hmm. But it's still working. It's still running. It's properly coated.
0: They're honestly never going to have a problem in their lifetime either, most likely. And the other thing, too, is we've seen, uh, you know, I've seen older, you know, fabric. Like at my house, I have a mix. I have fabric wiring. My house was built in 1955, and I'm, I left it. Even when I installed new light fixtures, because it was run correctly, I had some new Romex stuff that was run incorrectly that I had to replace. Right, well,
1: hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. There's no reason to go in there, the sky is falling, sky is falling, oh, this is so old.
0: Yeah, it has well. been around longer than you. Exactly. The, the other thing to look at is, and this is something that I do recommend getting replaced is do you have the old style fuse panel or do you have a newer breaker?
1: Well, the only reason I'd suggest replacing it is finding the fuse. This is getting harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Now, for functionality, they're still as good, and some electricians recommend you actually leave them alone as long as you can until you start coming up with issues.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's I think, a big overarching theme in this, is knowing what you're getting into in a historical home, you're going to have more, uh, not necessarily issues, but you're going to have more concerns than you are going to in another house, and you have to decide, along with your inspector your contractor, what you're going to fix, what you're going to leave alone. Um, Same thing with... Uh, if you're remodeling, is everything going to be completely square? You're not going to be able to have, you know, if you have a, a little dip in the floor here or there, uh, you you might not be able to level everything out perfectly.
1: <laughs> I tell you what, the older houses are more square than the brand new ones built today. Some of them are, man. Some <laughs> of them are, but also
0: the the old oh, uh, the old adage on a historical home that you can be uh, plumb, level, or square, but not, you know, you get to pick like one or two <laughs> of them, but not all three is totally true. true. So, uh, you know, you've got to pick where you're going to put your dollars. The, the other thing, too, and I don't think that this is a as big of an issue, is you know checking your insulation. You can always add more, um, but do you have a baseline insulation of where you should be?
1: Yeah, well, now when you talk about uh, insulation, the big thing you hear is, oh, vermiculite. It may have asbestos in it, and we're going to talk about asbestos in a little I have bit. i
0: gigantic air quotes going here. Oh,
1: my but, lord. And you know what? I just had a client, oh, there's vermiculite in there. They've got to remove it. And it's like, Really? Just leave it alone. Put more insulation on top of it and call it a day. But it's what the client wants. It's what the
0: client gets. So let's let's look at this now because this is a really interesting question. Now, what is not a big deal? I have all sorts of things that people say. Oh my gosh, is this a big deal or is this a big deal? Uh, and I think that is one because you just you lay insulation over it.
1: Well, let's look at the people that are that were getting cancer from it. They were working with this stuff every single day for years. Mm-hmm. Years and years and years. It wasn't a one-time in there, oh, guess what, you have cancer now. Right.
0: The 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 big thing is on asbestos, leave it alone. If you have asbestos tiles in your basement, which if you have any of that the black adhesive, that's an asbestos cutback, those tiles probably have asbestos. The best thing to do, leave them alone. Don't try and bust them up and remove them. That's where you get into a problem. If you have to remove them, make sure they're real wet. But the best thing, lay underlayment and laminate floor right on top of them. Never touch them again.
1: Yeah, and that's an easy-peasy to do. If you were to... to you know, start knocking them up. The the tiles aren't aren't really a friable one. You don't have to worry about a ton of stuff in the air, from what I understand from the inspectors I've talked to and, and different contractors, there's not gonna be a lot of
0: airborne particulate from scraping up the tiles. It's not right, especially a huge if you keep them wet. The, the the next thing I hear a lot is and I, this is one that I find really strange, is having the one by decking instead of OSB on the roof, your roof underlayment being decking. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not a big deal, guys. The, the one-by is, uh, a lot of times they leave it when they pull off the decking because they don't have to replace it. Okay. That's no big deal. Uh, the other thing, too, we have a lot of these that are really not as big of a deal as you might think.
1: Oh, um, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so, when you again, when you're looking at a store called, the other thing, too, that I find is a bit overblown is the lead-based paint. Here's the thing is if Jeez, your house Christ. is 100 years old and – The Lead-based paint stopped being legal in 1978. Yeah. Has the house been painted since 1978? If the answer is yes, and probably 20 or 30 times, you're probably not going to have any lead-based paint. That's how lead-based paint is abated. As long as you don't have any chips that are down to bare wood, you're probably going to be fine. Also, don't let your kids lick the walls. Well, yeah. They're like potato chips.
1: You know, I I wish with the way things are going today that we could actually... Maybe get rid of it or just have a little bit more education. Like you said, to abate that stuff, you paint over it. go get the test, go spend 250 bucks. Guess what they're gonna do? Tell you to paint over it.
0: Yep. I mean exactly. really. So that's and, and here's the thing too, is with the, the current climate that we're in, where the vast majority of new construction is not affordable for a starter home, you're probably going to be looking at either a non-remodel or remodel older home. So you're going to be dealing with some of these issues. And it's, like I said, you've got to pick and choose what you're willing to deal with and what you're not. Like, for me personally, I was not willing to deal with a block basement. That was my, I said I want a poured basement, um, and that was, you know, and the other thing, too, is I still had a little bit of water issues. It happens. It's an older house. Well, hey, water's
1: got to go somewhere. Even Even with the poured basement, sometimes, you know, if there's water somewhere, it will find a way. It will mm-hmm. find any weak spot, any opening. But, again, that's still something that's, I don't want to say easy, but it's relatively simple to take care of. And a lot of times, basement, basement if you don't have a, a sump well or a crack in there, they can easily put one in, check out your drain tile, and it's pretty cool.
0: Now, that's now that being said, that's not a cheap solution. So, it is something that that so is... So, easy, not cheap. It's exactly. So, that is something that, I guess, for me, my big things on a Historic Home that I would want to see done are if the basement needs an actual waterproofing system. Has the, you know, electric panel been done and then also too you know you've also got to know in a a historic home have they updated hvac uh it is uh, that's a common question i get if you have either baseboard or uh radiant heat you know can i put air conditioners in now that being you know you can but it's again it's not cheap what eight to twelve thousand to duct the house and add in a unit yeah
1: but i mean with today with today's standalone air conditioners that they also work as a dehumidifier Mm -hmm. or a fan or things like that they're 250 bucks
0: you yeah, can put it in the room me, she makes mode. some big wall, you know nice wall units that work real well
1: well there's floor units that i like mm-hmm. i have one at my house even though i do have air conditioning i like my bedroom a little bit colder than the rest of the house a whole lot cheaper than me busting the air conditioner you know down to zero right so i mean those work too and when you talk about heating and cooling and remodeling i mean we're not going to go back to the old octopus and the with a with a cat burner or whatever we call them but um You know, we see see some asbestos with those pipes as well. And, again, I want to say not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Leave it alone or even put duct tape or encapsulate it with something. And, you know, either let a professional work on it or put on a damn mask and use a recip saw to get it out of there. Yeah. Not that uh, I'm saying to do that, but I
0: would. So the other thing, too, is, and Chris brings up a great point there, is what is your level of confidence in your, you know, are you a big DIYer? Are you not? So some of these questions are going to have to, to go through, if you have to have a contractor come in and do everything, some of these things are gonna be a little bit more of a big deal than if you're doing them yourself. Well, we'll always say get a professional opinion. So, uh, of course, get a professional opinion, especially when you're dealing with electrical guys. If you don't know what you're doing, hire <laughs> a professional so you don't die, okay? <laughs> Me? Yeah, none of the other ones are gonna are, are gonna kill you. Working especially on your panel certainly can. So uh, those are our thoughts on what to look for in a historic house. Of course, there's all sorts of other things, and again, we're not professionals. But these are some of the things that we see. And, you know, uh, your agent should at least be well-versed enough in these to keep you from buying a lemon house on the vast majority of occasions.
1: You know, hey, man, these historical houses are freaking awesome. Um, You know, I I just have a client. We're going to a closing a little bit here. They bought... It would be considered a somewhat historical house, but it's all ripped down to the studs, and they're going to be bring the best out of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to utilize some of the brick in there. Um, they're actually going to use it as a tile floor. They're going to use the brick in the kitchen. That's going to be freaking neat. Cut those in half. But, you know, these houses, they're warm. They're full of love. The wood in there is fantastic. If you look at the moldings, what is it, the huge, like, 8-inch moldings? Oh, yeah.
0: The, the woodwork is, especially on the you know the Victorian-style mm-hmm. houses, is something you don't see anymore, is which is
1: slapped over with paint.
0: Which is why I love seeing. I just saw one in um, in Oxford, and it was all it was restored, not remodeled. And I really love seeing that. Of course, kitchens and things like that, you're going to remodel. But seeing a lot of that woodwork is great. And they're, the houses have a little bit more character than some of the ones that you see. They're built brand new and all the
1: same. Corner cabinets, built-in cabinets. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that good stuff. The use of space. Just saw one in Holly. Man, this thing was just mint. All the details they used to put into them that they really don't care about today. Today, they just slap them up and call it
0: a house. Well, because a house was designed to... A lot of times, that house was going to be a family home permanently. So, there are still some great things about buying a historic home. You know, I I like a lot of things about them. So, don't necessarily let some of these concerns... A lot of these things can either be left alone or can be fixed. I wouldn't let it uh, stop you from buying a historic home. So... Go out there. It's a great season to buy them. Check out some of these beautiful historic homes we have in a lot of wonderful neighborhoods in Metro Detroit. Talk to your realtor. Give Chris a call. We'd love to get you on the path to homeownership. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Take
1: care.